the officers will tell you they were tired of arresting the same people mm-hmm. instead of getting them help. Like they were just, yeah, everybody they saw, they were just, you know, it was going into the system again and going into the system. And they were like, how do we break that? So they decided, oh, this is how we break that. We actually deflect it. It's not an either or. It's not you go to jail or you go to treatment. It's how do we do the preventative um, before the reactive. Thank you for tuning in to the Rescue Mission podcast, where we discuss real topics that affect real people. We're excited about today's episode. We have got Sam and Darcy from the Heart Program. How are we doing today? Good. How are you? We are excited to have this episode with you. You guys have been here before to do several trainings with us, and I know I've taken a lot out of them. For for somebody that's tuning into this episode and they're thinking, what in the world is the Heart Program? What is it? What is the Heart Program? Yeah, so the Heart Program is called Hope and Recovery Team. So it comprises of two um, plainclothes detectives, a peer recovery coach, and then we're kind of a part of it too. We're like a package deal. So um, the detectives are able to go out to every non-fatal overdose within 72 hours. Usually it's 24 hours, but we have up to 72. They go out, they provide services, um, they provide peer recovery coaching services, and then they provide Narcan if the client needs it. Um, we follow up with all clients that they talk to to make sure they're okay. If there's anything else that they want service-wise that we can get them connected to, such as insurance. That's a really popular thing. Mm. I don't have insurance, but I want to go to treatment. How do I do that? So we'll, we can connect them to that. Um, and then we just follow up with them throughout their care. So if we get them into treatment and then they're like, okay, I need sober living after I'm done. I need employment, whatever it is, we'll help them throughout their whole journey. Um, so the hope and recovery team kind of started as a harm reduction program and they were, the officers will tell you they were tired of arresting the same people Mm, instead of getting them help. Like they were just, yeah, everybody they saw, they were just, you know, it was going into the system again and going into the system and they were like, Mm -hmm. how do we break that? Yeah. So they decided, oh, this is how we break that. We actually deflect it. It's not an either or. It's not you go to jail or you go to treatment. It's how do we do the preventative um, before the reactive? Yeah. 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 What is harm reduction? Yeah. So do you want to talk about that, Sam? Sure. Um, So harm reduction is uh, very much what it sounds like. So reducing your harm. So that could be um, in any context. Um, In the recovery world, it's obviously uh, trying to do things that reduce your harm if you still choose to use drugs or you want to use drugs. So um, that could be making sure you have safe use kits or safer use kits, um, alcohol swabs, clean needles, Narcan with you, uh, you know, those kind of things. Always using with a buddy who's going to be sober with you. So if something happens you know you can call 911 etc all that stuff so um we do it every day in our lives when we wear a seatbelt in a car so Mm. you're reducing your harm basically so pretty self-explanatory but not everyone knows what it is those things sound like they may be controversial (laughs) yeah a little bit yes they can't yes (laughs) why is it 
let's let's use one for example. Why is it that clean needles are so controversial to people? Yeah, so it's a lot of people look at it as enabling the user. Sure. Yeah. So they'll say like, why are you letting them? like exchange their needles for clean needles um, and that's you're allowing them to use and we're in my head um, I change the wording as that's one more time that we can keep them alive to get them help mm. so if I have to give a client a hundred Narcans and they use all of them that's a hundred times I can maybe change their life mm. or get them connected they didn't die those 100 times. Yeah. So that's kind of how I talk about it when people are like, well, harm reduction, isn't that just enabling the problem? Um, it could be seen as that. It could be seen as we're helping them. But if no one's helping them, then they're going to die. And our goal is to help them. So yeah. we're going to keep them alive enough to maybe make their help them navigate making the decision to change. Yeah. So how did you guys get to the point that this was this was your career? How does oh. how does one how does one get connected with like the heart program? Okay. Um you go first. I we both got our master's degrees of social work at the same time, but at different universities. So she was at IU Bloomington and I was here in Fort Wayne. Um and so during my three years doing that, I you have to do a practicum or an internship placement. So I was really interested in law enforcement. I was really interested in criminal justice. I was really interest, interested in the prison systems mm -hmm. and how mental health and substance use is happening in the prison systems, especially juveniles. Like, how do we help them? Reentry services, that kind of thing. So for when it came to internship time, I had to pick a spot. And the Purdue Police Department on the campus here allowed me to come on and that was the first time they had a you know an internship person so I created a program for social workers there where I followed up on all CIT calls with the officers so um, crisis interventions so if there was a student who was suicidal I would go out with the officers and I would de-escalate while the officer stepped back um, and I was able to help them get connected to services or if there was a severe mental illness happening I could talk to them talk to them so I did that for a year and a half um, and I'm sober as well so I have a really deep heart for this <laughs> all right yeah, uh, <laughs> I, see, I see what you did there so that, that was, was really button, good. Go anyway. I liked it. <laughs> were you, were you looking it. for the wah wah button? No, I was looking for the brunts. Uh, ah, that was sparkly. I was like, what's happening? Dar Darcy and Sam didn't even know we had I buttons. Know. I know. I did it. This I is so like, fun. This is great. But yeah, so um, I came to be a. I've been in the substance use field for a few years now. And so then I saw that there was this really awesome opportunity to combine my passions of social work and criminal justice and that's how I came to be a part of it how far back are we going like are you going back to your childhood not <laughs> just not to the womb but further <laughs> yeah. than last week yeah okay no I was just gonna say uh, I got into social work um I have my bachelor's in psychology from Ball State and my internship for my senior year through my undergrad um, was at Youth Opportunity Center in yeah. Muncie, Indiana. So it's a treatment facility for teens. Um, so I worked there for about nine months. Um, and from there, 
I actually, uh, so Department of Child Services was in the same building in Muncie in Delaware County. Um, and so I heard about a case management position after I got my degree. And I actually went into DCS as a case manager for permanency. Um, so even though I didn't have a social work background, I was working in social work jobs. Um, and that DCS created a passion for wanting to help individuals um, with whatever they needed. I loved case management. I loved helping them with like wraparound services, um, focusing on those Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you know what that is, mm-hmm. um, if you don't Google it, please, it's the best. Um, we also have a podcast episode about it. Yes. Amazing. And okay. why we feed the homeless. Yes. yes. Perfect. Perfect. Love that. Okay. Um, so yeah, so I, that passion grew from that. Um, uh, with DCS, a lot of the parents I was working with, um, it was not as much, you know, what you might think, it, it was more so substance use disorder. Hmm. So we were removing kids because these parents had this disease that they couldn't um, handle on their own. They needed that support and those resources. And a lot of them had trauma, um, had high ACEs scores themselves. Um, so, it, you know, they were trying to cope with something that they didn't know how to. And so it, this generational issue over and over again um, a lot of them grew up in the system and then their own kids were in the system etc so I saw that um, more needed to be done with that situation and I, I didn't really know how to handle it but I decided to go get my master's degree um, in social work so then I could work uh, more deeply within social work profession um, so when I uh, graduated in 2020 May 2020. And the <laughs> nothing, what was going on then? You know, just <laughs> chilling, hanging out. Boring. Nothing, nothing <laughs> wild. Um, so, yeah, no one was hiring, you know. Yikes. Uh, I had no job. Yeah. Uh, lots of debt, of course. Uh, so I actually ended up moving back home with my parents uh, because, um, yeah, they they wanted me to and allowed me to, which was really mm-hmm. a great privilege. Yeah. Um, so I did end up getting a job, um, as a therapist actually. So I was a home-based therapist, um, with Dockside services. So, uh, they have a partnership with DCS here in Fort Wayne. Okay. And so they provide therapy services for those who are involved with the DCS system. So then I was working with DCS families again. Um, I do have a passion for that. So uh, I enjoyed that, but I realized that my calling was not to be a therapist <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> individually. So I did that for about a year and I saw, um, this job posting and I was like you know what like after all of the you know controversy going on with you know police officers and social workers and everything else I kept thinking about the fact that like this is not going to solve itself if we just keep fighting each other and pitting each other against each other you Mm -hmm. know one profession against the other social media is getting out of hand etc how are we going to work together to fix the problem the only way to do that is to actually work with officers and Mm -hmm. work with individuals who um, we may not understand or you know we don't understand the opposite ends of our professions you know what I mean so um, I thought it was a really cool opportunity just to begin with for that Um, and I had already worked in like the substance use disorder field for a while um, and it just seemed like a great opportunity so um, yeah I mean that's how we got here. But it, it yeah. definitely has turned into something that I did not expect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in a, in a good way. But yeah. yeah, like when it was first advertised, I actually was supposed to work with families more mm-hmm. so. Um, and then it ended up changing into something else depending on the need of the community. So, um, which has been great. Yeah. Has it changed like in what you do day to day since you started? Because yeah. it's been around oh. for how many years now? Less than two, actually. Less than two. The social okay. workers have been around less than two. Yeah. The heart program itself has been around for like three. Okay. Yeah. 
So yeah. we got you guys right from the beginning. Yes, yes. you did. Nice. Yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah. Um, Get in on this, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still new. <laughs> yes. Um, so it has changed a lot. Yes. Uh, so in the beginning, we were just trying to figure out what we were doing. Yeah. Um, Darcy did have experience, like she said, with her practicum um, with PFW. And so uh, she is the lead social worker. So she was able to um, kind of help us build this program from the ground up as social workers. Um, obviously, Heart already had their thing going. Um, and we definitely help out with that. And we're very involved with that. Um, but then was also like, what what do we do as social workers, how can we help the community connect with officers um, and vice versa? How can we build that relationship and that rapport again? You know, um, how can we uh, connect agency providers? So different agencies, mm-hmm. community providers with each other, because we're all working together with the same clients. You know, how can we actually build those relationships with each other and be like, hey, you know, let's get some MOUs signed. Let's, you know, actually work together and um, make sure we are wrapping those clients with actual services that are helping them. So back to that hierarchy of needs thing, you know. Um, so Darcy did a great job with starting um, like tours and connecting with agencies. And <laughs> now in the less than two years, we've connected with over 80 plus agencies and wow. we have relationships with all of them. So we're constantly calling other agencies to all help us out with stuff. And um, they call us and it's been it's been really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And then slowly has developed into like the outreach that we do and the individual calls uh, and clients that we work with and families. And now we have a pretty like well-oiled machine mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. Until <laughs> so something else changes. Yeah. Until something else like, changes. Yeah, yeah. Some need will pop up and we'll be like, oh, we pivot. Like, yeah. let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, one of the, uh, one of the priorities of our, of this podcast is we're, we're still, I think, finding our feet and, yeah. and finding what is is best gonna like serve the people who listen first first we want to try to just reach our employees right mm-hmm. and and just to give them more of a sense of um what the fabric of the city looks like and, mm-hmm. and what's out there and who's doing what and and how that can help them and then how that can help them do the job that they have here but the other the other like just just even adjacent to that is to give people a sense of what the fabric of, of services in Fort Wayne looks like. Right. So to give people a sense that we're not like, we're not doing this by ourselves. Right. And there are a lot of other people out there who are doing some stuff. And we, I don't know, this is the way I look at it. Like a lot of people are just, you know, you have that hanging by a thread thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what it could be is you're hanging by a spider web. <laughs> yeah. Right. And if one little thing breaks, you still have all this other, uh, infrastructure holding mm-hmm. uh, that that can grab you, and and that's that's where I I guess if there's a question in there somewhere, it's it's that um, do do you guys feel like you're identifying what kind of needs are you identifying as you address a person? Like, what are they lacking? Yeah, so a lot of it, man, it's just the basic level of care and need. But if we're talking, let's, I'll talk about the clients we follow up with with officers. So typically they don't have, transportation is a barrier. Um, They don't know how to use it. They don't know how to get it. They don't have, you know, the funds to get a bus pass or gas or something like that. Um, Health insurance is a huge barrier. So if they want, like I was talking earlier, like if they want to go into treatment and they want to do this stuff, they like hit that roadblock of 
well, I can't because I don't have anything. So that's when we, I loved your spider, I, like, <laughs> analogy that was so great. So, like, I love it because I want to, you know, use it. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like, anything we, good I have, I stole from somebody else. So, like, steal away. So, I love it because, like, we can, like, start the web with, okay, let's get this person connected to a bus pass so they can get places. Let's connect them with our partners who do health insurance so we can get them all done and ready and in the process so we can then get them into treatment and therapy. Um, then let's work together on sober living and employment once they're done. Like, it just, like, builds and builds and builds. And then their needs are going to change. And along with that, our approach has to change. So we've noticed that we do a lot of that. And we're bombarded, like, every hour, like, with a different need, a different need. And we're just like, okay, okay, we got it. Like, kind of like Kung Fu Masters of Social Services, mm, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we're That's just like... I've got our episode title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just, like, pivoting and moving and trying to figure it out. But um, with our unhoused population, it's just been housing, like housing itself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The rent hikes are really incredible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so just making sure they're getting their basic needs met. So they're getting food. Um, we're connecting them with you all or other shelters yeah. and whatever it is. Um, making sure they have like s their bare necessities so then we can start working up that triangle like of Maslow's hierarchy like working through how to get there if they want it that's the yeah. big thing if they want it how do you determine if somebody wants it yeah we ask them yeah oh, okay yeah we I mean it's as simple as that like do you want treatment and they'll say no and I'll say mm. okay that's fine yeah here's Narcan here's our number we're here for you you let us know when you're ready so we don't stop so I call us professional naggers a lot. <laughs> so we'll continue to follow up. We'll continue to show like you're not alone because people who use are feel so alone. Mm, yeah. So we want to make sure that they're surrounded and they know that there's people out there that they could just call and we will answer and we will talk to them. Even if they still don't want treatment, they still have somebody rooting for them in their corner. Yeah. Sam mentioned substance use disorder mm -hmm. yes. and a lot of times people can have the misunderstanding that somebody is just choosing to abuse drugs and because they're making this choice or blah 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 that they should just deal with the consequences of their action but there's a lot more to it than that can you talk a little bit more about substance use disorder yeah um so it is uh the diagnostic manual. <laughs> um, so our guide for diagnosing different mental illnesses, um, substance use disorder is in there. So this is a real, you know, mental health diagnosis. Um, and it is labeled as a disease. It is not labeled as something you just choose to do. Mm. Um, so I like to use the example of um, something I learned through my DCS training, actually. Uh, they would often talk about how we are one mistake away from being where someone else is at. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I mean, that can mean anything, you know, um, no matter how privileged you are, no matter where you come from, there's always a chance that um, you have that genetic makeup, you have that disease within, you know, yourself, and you don't have control over that. No one does. Um, so you could be in a circle of people, you all decide to use a substance. Let's say you're a teen and you just want to experiment, you know, um, everyone in that circle uses the same thing. Well, two of those people are going to be addicted and it's going to ruin their life. The rest of them, they'll walk away. They're fine. They just had an experience. No big deal. 
Interesting. We don't get to choose that. So uh, this is a diagnosable disease, um, just like any other disease that you would get. It's the, yeah. the luck of the draw, an unfortunate way of saying it. But um, same thing if you would get diagnosed with cancer or, you know, something else. Um, completely out of our control, sometimes genetic, but yeah. So it's disease. Yeah. You also mentioned another fun word. You mentioned ACEs. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> um, adverse childhood experiences. Um, so uh, if you want to learn more about that, you can always Google it. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can even take a test to see your ACEs score. Mm-hmm. Um, so the higher your score is, um, the more likely you are to have um, mental health concerns, um, the more likely you are to have more trauma, et cetera. So these are experiences. I mean, this could be, you know, did your one of your parents or legal guardians um, go to prison or jail during your childhood? You know, um, were one of your parents um, struggling with substance use disorder during your childhood? Stuff like that. So these are all childhood experiences before the age of 18. Um, and it can kind of just show you... Um, Okay, so for example, the clients that I would work with the DCS, we would have them take a test, like an ACEs score test. Um, majority of the parents that we worked with, their ACEs score were very high. Hmm. So someone who's had a very privileged life, their ACEs score is very low. Um, you know, they may not have the same issues that someone's dealing with when their ACEs score is high. So when we look at all of the um, stigma that's surrounded by like mental illness and substance use and you know all these things that we see um, especially in our professions here um, the unhoused population you know um, there's so much of this fear-based mentality and fear of the unknown you know um, you know oh don't talk to that person you know they're mentally ill you know they might hurt you etc you mm-hmm. know we have no idea why they got to that point or what their diagnosis yeah. is you know all this stuff um, if you don't have a high ACE score you're very fortunate and it's very common um, but it's also very comorbid with severe mental mm-hmm. illness um, and substance use disorder. So um, it's a really great tool to look at and just yeah. kind of um, kind of check yourself, yeah. I guess, you know. The higher the A score, too, studies have shown the more prone to cancer, mm-hmm. yeah. the more mm-hmm. prone to heart disease, yes. and then ultimately a shorter life. Yes. Interesting. Uh, well, I mean, you even, you even said it a little bit before. If, like, for example, if you... Uh, have something going on and normally somebody would go to the doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't have a way to get to the doctor. Right. Yeah. Or insurance. Hi, or In insurance, more ways than one, right? yeah. How to get or even a way to follow up to get a medication mm-hmm. or right. even a stable living situation so that you can take that medication every day. Or yeah. Right. Or take care of that wound or right. you know, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Or or have a community that actually works against you. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, so I think, I mean, you guys are talking about so many good things um that really would undergird what we hope um is building a like a building a solid community that yeah. because this wasn't this wasn't this way a hundred years ago. No. No. Or even fifty years ago. Because mm-hmm. there was a different level of community around. Even right. even if it wasn't, you know, perfect. Right. There was still there were still a lot of other catches. Yeah, that we had that would grab the crazy uncle or the right, you know, right, um, the the cousin or the nephew yeah. or whatever uh, that that just are seem to have evaporated. Yeah, and, and that would be the state hospitals. Well, right, it was yeah. nineteen eighty. Yeah. yeah, like they closed them down, and then where do people go right. who were right. there who had no one? Well, and they went to jail. Yeah, and we. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm 
let me ask you, do yeah. you, do you hear the question of like, you guys got to do something about those people? 100% right? every day. I was, I was walking, yeah. to, I was walking into work the, on Tuesday yeah. and some people across the street grabbed me and they're like, Hey, did you know such and such was doing such and such outside your building? You guys need to do something about that. Yep. I'm like, okay, well, we, we, we're, we're doing, we're doing yeah. what we, we're doing everything we can. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we don't do it all the way, but, but sure. But we're and trying. you can only do so much. Yeah. Right? Like. But the, the thing that I would like to, the thing that I would love to have a conversation around, yeah. and I don't know if we're having that now or not, but yeah. the thing that I would love to have a conversation around is how do we get past, um, yelling at each other for what we're not doing i know and get to ah. the place where we can actually lock arms and say let's mm -hmm. let's try to do this like all of us let's try to do this better yeah i think that right. goes towards like my goal from day one of being with the police department was i want to break down these silos mm. We are so resource rich here in Allen County and mm -hmm. Fort Wayne. Isn't it weird? It's yes. insane. Yeah. However, we're not working together. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's been a common um, conversation with clients too. Oh, I go to X, Y, and Z for services, but X isn't talking to Y, so they don't need what uh, know what Z had said either. Like, there's no communication. Mm -hmm. So that's why with all of our partner agencies, you all included, yeah. that when we do outreach, we make sure we come to your place and we're talking to the people who are here. And we talk to you all and we right. try to coordinate with you. We refer people. Um, and then we have these MOUs, these memorandums of understanding formal agreements with agencies so we can connect people we can talk about each mm -hmm. other like we can talk to our mutual client about our mutual clients so we know like sam said they're getting that wraparound right. care mm -hmm. i think that's yeah. fort wayne's biggest uh beauty and biggest deficit mm. we're so resource rich yeah yet we don't know how to work with each other mm -hmm. sometimes well so that we don't get off the podcast without asking the question yeah what can how can we at the rescue mission help you guys more what yeah. would that look like? Talk to people about it. Give our phone number out. So if yeah. you see people like struggling um, or you see clients here that you think they're ready for a change, but maybe they just don't know how. I think that's the biggest yeah. like hurdle is the how. They just mm. have no idea where to start because we are so resource rich. They're like, I don't know where to go and what I need. Um, so if you see somebody that's like ready for that change for sure. Even if they're not ready for that change, give them our number. Cause then maybe we can start that change talk and start talking to them about, yeah. Hey, we're here. We're here. Or that's it. That's what we do with outreach. We're just say, we're here. How can we help? What yeah. do you need? So just make sure people are aware of what we do. Yeah. Um, definitely like spread the word for sure. Um, I think also provide education. Mm. So, uh, on our social media page, we have been posting like psychoeducation topics for just anyone who follows our page and likes our page. Um, and, uh, we just try to, you know, 
<laughs> educate uh, the public about, you know, what does mental illness look like? Mm-hmm. You know, what is substance use disorder? What is Narcan? How, how do you use Narcan? You know, uh, what do I do if I see someone overdosing? Uh, what, what is an overdose? You know, just yeah. like literally just what are these common terms that like us in the social work world use all the time? You know, what is harm reduction? Like we already talked about. We had a post about that. So um, we're just trying to spread the word in education with that. I, I think education stops fear. Mm. Um, I also think humility stops the fear. Um, I think we all need to take a look at ourselves daily and be like, you know, am I (laughs) practicing humility in my life? You know, am I just, um, othering people Mm -hmm. and putting them in a different box because I'm scared? You know, um, if, if that was my family member, how would I want them to be treated, Mm -hmm. you know, et cetera. Um, no matter what their circumstance is, you know, whether they are using substances, whether they are actively high, you know, if they're talking to themselves, if they smell weird or, you know, they look different, whatever, um, who cares? What if that was you? Mm-hmm. You know, how would you want to be treated? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really big deal. Um, so looking at ourselves has to matter. Um, and yeah, just spreading our words, spreading our phone number, making sure people know who we are and what we do. Um, and even if you're not totally sure, like let's say you're meeting with a client, and this could be for anybody like listening, not just the rescue mission, but if you're meeting with a client and, you know, they're like, well, why don't we just call the heart team together and we'll talk to mm-hmm. them on the phone together? Um, I have realized like I don't know if you've realized this too Darcy but um sometimes we will give people the phone numbers to call and we give them like exactly what they need to do for the next steps but they for some reason can't make that Mm -hmm. call on their own um Mm -hmm. and that could be for many many reasons um and uh so I've been honestly just doing like three-way calls Mm -hmm. yeah so I'll be like on the phone with somebody and they're like yeah I really want to go to treatment but I just don't know like what to do where to go and I was like well do you want to do an assessment right now on the phone like I can just call you know Hickory Recovery or Allendale or you know wherever avenues um and be like let's just do the assessment and they're Mm -hmm. like yeah okay you know so Mm. three-way call talk to the person on the phone I say hey I have a client on the phone can you do an assessment with them they're like yeah sure I connect the calls and I mute myself and just sit back and listen. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and tell me if I'm, I'm wrong or right, but it's a lot easier to do that when you know the person that you're calling to coordinate yes. with, oh, or yeah. at least if you've, yes. And that's yeah. why we know their names. Oh yeah. Know yeah. Blah, blah, so blah. We'll like, over at hey, Avenues, so and right? So how's it going? Yeah. How are you? You know, right. <laughs> whatever. How's your, how's your kids? Yeah. You know, like you, you know them on a personal yeah. level. Right. So then you know that like they trust us, we trust them. Mm-hmm. And so if we're bringing a client to them, they're going to be like, yes, of course. Like yeah. we'll make sure they have a bed. We'll make sure they have a room, whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's been a big deal too. Partnerships are so right. yes. crucial to a client's yes. well-being. Yeah. 100%. We need to have a, another button. This is totally off topic. Oh, we need okay. a t-shirt alert. T-shirt fear. Our education stops fear. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. I'm quoted. Right. <laughs> nice. Sam gets t-shirt, t-shirt billing. Okay. Amazing. Okay. So. Well, Sam and Darcy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for this great conversation. If, so not if somebody's going to listen to this episode and they're going to be like, Oh my gosh, the heart program is amazing. How can they keep <laughs> up with what you guys are doing? Uh, so we have a Facebook page and okay. Instagram, um, where we share, we also do a resource highlight every Monday. So that's another reason we're trying to connect all the resources too, is to also connect them to the community. Cause a lot of people 
do not know that Fort Wayne is so resource rich. Mm -hmm. Like I was born here, grew up here, had no idea until I had this job. (laughs) And I was like, what? We have 80 plus agencies to talk to? Um, Had no idea. So we try to highlight a different agency every single week. We've highlighted the rescue mission already, of course. You guys were one of our first ones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, going on our page, sharing our posts to spread the word to other people. Um, So that's one way. So it's uh, the HEART program. H-A-R-T on Facebook. Um, and you'll see like our logo and everything else. It is Fort Wayne Heart Program. And then Instagram, I think, is Heart Program FW. So Fort okay. Wayne. Um, you can follow and like both of those, subscribe to those. Um, so you'll see updates on where we're doing outreach, you know, uh, what time outreach starts, where it is, location-wise, who's going to be there, et cetera. Um, the psychoeducation pieces will be posted there. Um, and then we have all of our like contact information on those two as well. So okay. the phone number, um, our website, uh, cause we do have a website through the, the police department in okay. Indiana. Um, so you can see like a little blurb about like what heart is about. Um, and then we also, you can Facebook message us there as well. So okay. let's say someone doesn't have a cell phone or a phone number, they can Facebook message us. That's fine too. Um, or let's say someone does not want to talk on the phone because <laughs> not everyone likes talking on the phone. Yeah. If I have to order pizza or something, I'm asking my husband to do it. I'm not doing it. So <laughs> can I call your husband to order? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He would, he'd be glad to. Yes. He's a very nice man. Um, but yeah, if I, can, nice if, I, man. if I could not online order, I will not be doing it. So I get it. You know, I, I would text way more than call. Um, so yeah, you can text us, call us, whatever. We have personal work sales as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the, I would say the Facebook page is where you find all of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rescue Mission Podcast, we ask you to consider leaving a review, subscribing, following whatever platform you're on. We'd love to have you keep up with us and what's going on with the Rescue Mission Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>